Hey, Spike Pitt, the Pink Phantom here. Uh, just call in. Really been enjoying your re-releases of some of your back catalog. Uh, talking about wargaming and getting to wargaming using uh, Lego bricks for wargaming and stuff like that. I think that's fantastic. I always love uh, hearing and seeing those little different hacks people have that kind of do something a little out of the ordinary to to further a hobby that they enjoy. And it's it's clear that you that you really dig that sort of thing, and I do too. And I just wanted to offer you some encouragement and thank you for for all the all the content you're putting out there and uh i I love what you're doing man uh you've got wheels spinning in my head and that's that's the best kind of podcasting in my experience take care and and keep on keeping on bud big thanks then to the mysterious pink phantom war and opening the show with some kind words and encouragement and to say the encouragement is most welcome would be an understatement. I think anybody who's done any of this podcasting malarkey has experienced the feeling of, uh, you know, sometimes you, well, <laughs> sometimes, I mean, you are always basically talking to yourself. And if you, if you never hear back from anyone, then you've, uh, you've got some numbers that click over few listens that turn up on the analytics for whatever platform you're using. Beyond that, who knows? It would be nice to know or have heard from everybody who ever listened, but that's unrealistic. And I think um, all sorts of performers must experience this. Unless you're somebody going and doing live events, there is a, a real disconnect and... Yeah, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny business. So, like I say, big thanks to the Pink Phantom. And the reason I got him kicking off the show is because I wanted to start talking about some of these hacks that he mentions, these little ideas, little diversions, things I want to play with. And if you're a regular listener, you will know I'm always fiddling and twiddling about with bits and bobs. And this time been playing ICRPG and I've been tracking damage on monsters with these little Waddington's Risk plastic playing pieces. Ideally, I would have found the little cubes and that from from my my old copy of Risk, but I can't seem to to lay my hands on those, so I've been using these uh, from a later edition of the game. I got rid of the rest of it. It kind of yeah, it was it was in bad shape, but I thought, oh yeah, bags of variously coloured pieces could come in handy, and sure enough, I've been using them, but I'm not in love with them. And I thought, uh, I don't know what put it in my mind the other day. I saw, I think I saw a copy of Bananagram somewhere, and I thought, oh yeah, I meant to dig out my Bananagram. So. Bananagrams, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, it's a word game. And the case of Bananagrams is basically a cloth bag in the shape of a banana with a zip along the length of it. And it's got these plastic tiles, almost like a Bakelite type of plastic. Really nice quality, kind of cream colour. And you can use, I'm, I'm imagining... I could use these for 
various different gaming tasks, either using the letters on the face or flipping them over and writing with a dry erase marker on the back to either provide a little bit of information. I'll say they're about 20 millimeters square, just under an inch. And I could use them to track hit points of damage on a creature, do like a tally or wipe out and write the number each time they take damage. And I wanna combine these, they've got a very nice feel is what it is. And I think a part of what I didn't enjoy about these risk pieces was they felt a bit, meh, they're, they're that nasty kind of cheap injection molded type of uh, low grade plastic. Uh, and, and for me, that tactile quality, that feel, with things that I'm using is is important. I want to combine it with a sort of a A4 or letter size sheet of acrylic, clear acrylic, about quarter inch thick, that I can use as a, a wipe clean surface so I could sketch on it or put an image to serve as a map underneath it. Alternatively, you could lay a blank sheet of paper under there, draw on the plastic uh, uh, and just use it as like a a whiteboard type of effect and then the pieces can sit on there and make it small enough so it's portable seems like a a, a pretty good um, solution to visualizing space or any sort of tactical play for those folk that struggle visualizing this in their heads I personally, I've got no problem with it, but I know my brother, Arfed in particular, he does struggle. Um, in fact, I think most of the players in my group, are, they are not in love with that total theatre of the mind, and they do like to have some reference on the table. It's impossible for me to, to manage all the various uh, terrain and maps and minis from a week-to-week -week basis for RPGs. I don't mind getting into some of that stuff for a skirmish game, but for my regular games, I need something a lot, a lot more multi-purpose. So that's my hack there, uh, Bananagrams. And I've got a dim recollection that uh, it may have been Ray Otis of Plundergrounds who put me onto that one. I'm pretty sure it was. And that was a long time ago. And talking of a long time ago, I was listening to Joe Richter of Hindsightless. He put out a, an episode recently talking about how much things have changed since COVID and 2019. And got me thinking, yeah, it's amazing how we adjust to uh, new norms in life. It seems like I've been teaching for ages now. Um... And, and back in 2019, I, I, I had a pretty decent podcast audience. I was, I was getting loads of call-ins. It was the old anchor system, people calling in. Uh, and then kind of COVID hit, things started changing. started thinking about getting into teaching and dropped out of online gaming. And so much, so much has changed. My son's gone out to work. Um, mother, my daughter's nearly leaving school. She's taking her exams and my, my youngest son's taking his options. And the time absolutely flies by. But 
you just get used to these changes. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, podcasts that I've listened to, and podcasters come and go. Yeah. It's quite a thing. Now, and talking, talking of podcasts that come and go and, and the past, a voice from the past now, call up my old buddy Aaron Clark and he's on the tabletop is his blog. He's talking a little bit about some wargaming. I've been putting out my older episodes as I get a chance to listen through them and check that they're kind of fit for consumption by maybe some younger listeners. Um, thinking about my my career, I have to be careful. Uh, I'm re-releasing some of the older back catalogue, but I've said it before. I had to take it all down pending review, but gradually I'm getting through it and I'm putting episodes back up there. Hopefully that doesn't cause too much confusion for my regulars. I don't know how welcome it is for this stuff popping up in their streams. Don't know how much people take a listen again, but uh, Aaron's been listening to some of my wargaming content and he's, he's talking about uh, Warmaster in particular. And yeah, that is a game we played a little bit, I would say, uh, back in the day when it first came out. It's a GW product. I've got um, an unassembled Orc and Goblin army that, funnily enough, last weekend I'd got out and I'm, I want to kind of, as part of my purge and getting things together, I, I picked up all these boxes and I've been organising my collection. Uh, so I want to put my Orc and Goblins back together, but I mostly played War Master with Undead. I've got a, a small Undead army. Arfed's got quite a bit more. He's fond of the system. And I think that it's one of those that we'll try and get back to the table again soon. But before I say any more about that, let's hear what my buddy Aaron has got to say. Hey Colin, it's Aaron Clark. I was just catching up on your Spike Pit podcast and listening to you talk about some more gaming stuff. Dragon Rampart sounds interesting. I'll have to look closer. Do a lot of wargaming, and one of the games that I play a bunch of is that Warmaster. If you check out my blog at on the tabletop.blog, I've got some posts there about Warmaster and playing on Roll20. Um, I think there's some ways for us to do wargaming online, kind of real time, I guess, maybe even even kind of turn-based stuff, but that's always been a big fantasy of mine is about how to bring these tabletop war games into a virtual space and be able to play them online virtually. There's some stuff in Steam uh, with uh, the tabletop simulator. We can do war gaming there online. Yeah, so cool, man. Thanks for the inspiration. Hope you're well. Take care. So it's great to hear from Aaron and my progress with regard to storing all my miniatures and sorting them out like I say, continues. I, I've got the trays. Really, I probably could have got some, could have used some more, uh, but I only want to assign a certain amount of space. So I'm going to need to kind of thin down the collection a little bit. I've got some ideas for that. But I mentioned the Warmaster, the Orcs and Goblins. Well, I've got them. And I also dug out my epic Armageddon, which is 6mm Warhammer 40k. That was another game I enjoyed. Warmaster, 
however, shares more similarities with Dragon Rampant. You have like a leadership score and you, I think I'm right in saying you, you had to make tests to activate units and when you failed, that leader could uh, take no further part in that turn. And then if you had lesser leaders with smaller command radiuses, they, they had units that they, you could fall back on for them to command, something like that. Whereas Epic Armageddon used command points. So you had a budget of points and it was a little bit more stable in terms of being able to work out what you could do regarding command and control. So they're quite dif different in that way. Uh, six mil scale for Epic Armageddon and 10 mil scale for Warmaster. Both games that I would have loved to play some more of. And every time we start talking about old games, my brother brings up Man of War. So that's another one. I will let you know how it goes with those to keep you up to date. Hopefully going to be playing Blood Bowl this Tuesday. So that's about four days away. Picked up the newer set, got it for my son, Christmas time, got that for him. And he's painting up his art, his teams. I've got my kind of, my classic teams that I'll bring out on Tuesday. Arthur's got a load of that stuff as well. We'll give that a go. And school's out for a couple of weeks. So I'm gonna be trying to tackle some of those games I talked about on the shelf of shame. So there's gonna be some more board gaming. Got a sci-fi game from GMT called Talon, want to get that going, and fun, is it Thunder Road, Thunder Road, Thunder, Thunder Alley, Thunder Alley, which is like a NASCAR type of racing game, I want to get that, well, really, I want to get those two to the table, also, Polis is set in Greek times, a little bit of a heavier game, probably, Probably looking to watch some tutorials of that to familiarise myself with it, read the rules again, and in the not-too-distant future, I'd like to play that. My monster project continues. I'm still kind of taking photographs of images, making slides. I continue to use a laptop at the table for DMing. I'm, I'm really quite enjoying that, although I did, say, I did see that the Wizards had um, released some kind of um, promotional material for their new version of D&D &D Beyond. And it's got all the players sat around this table, all playing on their, on their laptops. And I've got to say, I, I don't know, I just didn't like the look of that. I didn't like the, the idea of that at all. One thing, DM running with a laptop or a tablet, but all the players sitting around um, watching a kind of, it really did more or less look like a kind of a team video game with everybody sat at different monitors. That, yeah, that's not really for me. I guess if you was online um, and you couldn't be together, it would make a lot of sense. But to kind of gather together and then all sit at a computer, mm, I'm not sure. Not, not sure about that one. It's certainly not for me, but I guess as as usual it's it's up to everybody to make their own mind up but i can't help thinking that's gonna take a lot of resources and and a lot of cost to get something like that up and running and it's it's kind of getting a little bit away from 
tabletop play, surely I would I would think. But oh well, it is what it is. I've waffled on. I'm getting into the areas of contention now, and I don't really don't really want to do that. Last week was read some Tolkien Day, so I'm going to close out. I'll leave you with a reading from Farmer Giles of Ham. If you're not into readings, feel free to skip it. You won't hear from me again in this episode beyond that reading, so I'd like to say a big thanks to my patrons over on the Spike Pit Patreon. And last but not least, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later. A blunderbuss is a short gun with a large bore firing many balls or slugs and capable of doing execution within a limited range without exact aim. Now superseded in civilised countries by other firearms. However, Farmer Giles's blunderbuss had a wide mouth that opened like a horn and it did not fire balls or slugs, but anything that he could spare to stuff in. And it did not do execution because he seldom loaded it and never let it off. The sight of it was usually enough for the, his purpose and this country was not yet civilised for the blunderbuss was not superseded. It was indeed the only kind of gun that there was and rare at that. People preferred bows and arrows and used gunpowder mostly for fireworks. <laughs>